Well, I'm always at the airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always the, traveling. I, I kind of want to talk about that too because you're because oh you, you walk by your face every single time you're at the airport. Yep, <laughs> it's, it's right there. Like, do, uh, do people look at you and they're like, "Oh, hey, is that is that you? Is that you?" Yeah, and honestly, like I've never been recognized in the airport while I'm passing by it, which is probably a good thing because um, I'm usually like exhausted, like after a week long business trip. And just like, oh God, I hope no one never gets me. But I get <laughs> recognized in like weird places. I was at the Apple store getting my phone fixed and like the dude across the table from me just kept staring at me and I was like, this is creepy. He's like, <laughs> aren't you the girl from the airport? Hey everyone, welcome back to this post-Thanksgiving episode of Bourbon Pursuit. I hope you had a great time hanging out with your families opening some bottles, enjoying those times. And now that Black Friday has surpassed, Cyber Monday has surpassed, you are thinking of, well, what do I as a bourbon lover want for Christmas? And uh, maybe you should strike that opportunity to write down some notes, jot it down so somebody knows uh, which bottle to get, which glasses you like, maybe some some kind of ice molds. Who knows? But start thinking. This is, uh, this is the opportunity to start being selfish as the bourbon lover out there. But this is also a good opportunity for me to tell you that you've heard it in the beginning, you've heard it in the middle, and you've heard it at the end. But this is the final week for you to put in your votes for the winner of the Eagle Rare Life Award. This is a way that you can help change somebody's life and change a lot of lives by looking and listening and reading the stories of people out there that are being good stewards and good humanitarians. And go to eaglerailife.com. Go do it now. Submit your votes and go help change the lives of, of others out there out there. Now, on our news, if you are a Patreon supporter, the link to purchase our new Rift Barrel is available, and those orders have been shipping out. I've got my bottles already, and I know other people have as well. So if you haven't done that yet, and you're a Patreon supporter, the link is there. Check out the post. You got an email alert. Get on that ASAP, because if you don't, I'm going to open it up, and I'm going to let everybody be able to order them if you haven't done it yet. So get on that ASAP and make sure you take advantage of those perks of being a Patreon supporter. Now, our pre-sale that we've had for Pursuit Series Episodes 1 and 2 is available on Patreon as well. This is the last week to be able to get in your name on the drawing so you can be able to have an opportunity to be able to buy it because at this point, with the names that already have on it, We're sold out. We are sold out of bottles that will be available, and we're going to have to limit this to one bottle per person and have to run a randomizer drawing. But don't worry. If you don't get in on either of these, or if you're not a Patreon member and part of our community yet, there's still time because we're going to be doing two barrels, two barrels of bourbon every single month, and it's all going to be available first to Patreon supporters. And you can get all the details of every bottle that we're doing and every barrel of our Pursuit Series private label at PursuitSpirits.com. Now, we had Jackie back on episode 40. We talked about the brand, the history of Brown Foreman, the history of Old Forester, and we really talked about her journey. What was her journey like from being uh, bartender and cocktail extraordinaire to somebody who's now being a master taster for Old Forester? And over 130 episodes later, she joins us again. And we're going to be talking through the expressions, the different lineups that we actually have with inside the Old Forester family. And we did that last time at episode 40, but 
This time there is a new extension, which is now widely available. We've talked about it before in the news, and that is the new 1910. It's available nationwide, so go and pick up a bottle if you haven't tried it yet. Jackie is a wealth of knowledge when it comes down to this, and she has put down a significant amount of effort in being a respected authority in this field. So you're gonna learn something good. And if you're interested in learning more about all the Brown Foreman brands, whether it's more about Old Forester, Woodford Reserve, Jack Daniels, or maybe you just wanna hear a series from uh, one of your favorite distilleries, go to our website, bourbonpursuit.com, and you can sort all of our podcasts by individual distilleries. Now with that, enjoy this week's episode. Here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. Craft distilling. It's kind of a polarizing subject in our world. The staunch bourbon lovers don't really care for a lot of the craft dist- distillation flavors that come through, while the new age distillers are all about trying new things, trying new ways of making great product. You'll see them distill things like rice and try to kill and smoke corn through old-fashioned techniques used in the tobacco industry. It's just a different way of doing things that the Kentucky bourbon distillers are not accustomed to. Thus, the flavors are quite a bit different. A few years ago, a bourbon CEO pulled me into his office and he told me how Fearful he was that a consumer would one day consider New York bourbon the same as Kentucky bourbon. He has a genuine fear that new consumers will get a taste of craft bourbon, not like it, and then assume something like Jim Beam White Label or Evan Williams Black Label is no good because a craft bourbon they tasted was not to their liking. Well, I hate to say it, but that is not going to happen. What is going to happen, though, is if craft distillers do not make the product that the consumers want, they will go out of business. And sadly, we're already starting to see that. Death Store, which I thought was one of the most highly acclaimed and important craft distillers of the Midwest, recently announced its bankruptcy. The European Union trade tariffs have also made it very difficult for craft distillers to get into new markets in the European Union. In fact, many d- distributors there will no longer take phone calls from American craft distillers. So now we're at a point when craft distilling is continuing to grow, but the question is are there enough consumers to satisfy the supply? And I don't know if the answer is yes, but I will tell you, I love craft distilling and I love the people and the stories and the hard work that goes into making new products. Whether it's Quincy Street in Illinois or MB Rowland in Kentucky, I am a big fan of the entrepreneur, people who are willing to take a risk, roll the dice and make something new. So my challenge to you is find a craft distiller Love them. Love what they make. Taste it. Tell people about it on social media. And whatever you do, be one of the voices that keeps them in business. Because we cannot lose craft distillers like we lost the independent distillers in the 1950s. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, do you have an idea for an Above the Char episode? Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Fred Minnick. Again, that's at Fred Minnick. 
Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here, the original duo. That's us. Yeah, but who needs Fred? Yeah, who needs Fred all the time? Yeah, he's all his facts and figures and actual actual history. I know so much. Uh, I'm special. (laughs) He's going to listen to this and be like, God damn it, guys. Yeah. But, um, you know, but today is going to be a great episode once again because we're talking about uh, another iconic brand, Old Forester. But our guest today isn't isn't new to the show. She's been on before, so we're excited to be able to do that. And it was kind of funny. We were talking about lining these these glasses up and kind of talking through and going through the expressions of the the whiskey rose series for Old Forester. And I was I was thinking I was like, man, didn't we do this a little bit yeah. last time? I was like, I, I think I have a vivid memory. A little maybe doing this, but uh, yeah, I think we we're at Rye or something That's like true. upstairs. We it upstairs. just popped up in my head. Yeah, yeah I don't know. They had construction going on, yeah. and I, it kind of sounds like what's going on now in here. We're in a working distillery, so honestly, uh, but it, I think it's a little bit more soundproofed. If, yeah, if I recall that that way as well. So but I'm excited to do it again, and we got a new addition. To the lineup. Oh, yes, we do. And I can't wait to talk about it because it's something that uh, at the time of this recording, very, 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 very new and recent. But uh, I'm sure everybody out there is able to go out and buy a bottle and pair it against the 1920, which is usually the typically the crowd favorite. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to to kind of go through that. So to date on the show, we have our 
guest that is making her second appearance on, and we have You're Jackie. So famous. I know. So Jackie so Zykin. <laughs> Jackie Zykin. Zykin. If I keep saying it right or You're correct. You're saying it right. Okay. So you are. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Now, have you elevated your position in the company? Are you still the same title as you were before? Um, Since the last time we met above Rye during the construction, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the first time we did this, um, it has changed. Uh, it's just become a little bit more fine-tuned towards product and not so much ambassadorship. So uh, my job title changed from Master Bourbon Specialist to Master Taster after going through a little bit heavier dose of production training and sensory training as well. Who so, did that for you? Yeah, let's say talk about the sensory training. I, I walked into Campbell's office one day, and it was way before the distillery opened. And I told him, I was so he probably hates it, or maybe he loves it. I don't know. But I just like <laughs> barge in, and I'm like, hey, I know you're probably busy, but I have something to say. And I said, um, by the time that new distillery opens, I'll be the master taster for Old Forester. And he just like stopped and stared at me and was like, this is news to me. Okay. <laughs> no, but he's like, all right, I guess we should get going on that then. Yeah. And so um, we have a really fantastic sensory lab that's based out of the corporate campus on Dixie Highway, Brown Foreman. Um, Sophie is amazing down there. So a lot of the sensory folks put together sort of a protocol because up until then, I mean, Elizabeth McCall, who's now the assistant master distiller for Woodford, obviously was master taster for Woodford prior to that. Um, but she came from the sensory lab. And then before that, Marianne Barnes, um, who we lovingly know as Marianne Barnes anyways, um, she was the master taster prior to Elizabeth taking that role. So um, Chris had a hand in it to sort of just like guide through because he's been there to see both of those lovely ladies through all of their successes. Um, but yeah, it's basically a big old checklist. Of What's every- different about being, I guess, <laughs> going through a, a sensory lab and maker or master taster, what it, you know, you're, you have experience in this, obviously. So were you like, guys, I've been doing this forever? Or is it like you really learn a lot of new stuff? Well, yes and no. So, I mean, there is a certain part of having a palate that's, um, you have to be able to associate. You can't pick out cinnamon if you've never smelled cinnamon. You have to have experienced a whole lot of tastes and smells leading up to that point. But we have a very systematic way that we go through descriptive analysis at Brown Foreman. And so when you have a product, you're analyzing it. You don't just go, okay, smell this glass. Oh, I smell cinnamon, raisin, bagel, or whatever, you know, fill in the (laughs) blank with anything. Um, You go through it and you compartmentalize it quite a bit and you go, okay, so as far as sweet aromatics go, is it vanilla? Is it butterscotch? Is it toffee? Is it more caramel? Is it burnt? Is it not? Like all of those, you just focus on sweet aromatics and then you go through to the herbaceous qualities. Is it dried green or is it fresh green, like tomato vine? And then you start picking it apart that way. Same thing with spices. Is it black pepper spice or is it more brown spice, allspice, clovey, that kind of stuff? And then you go through heat. It's So it's like stepwise and there's a rating scale for all of that. So in order to go through this, you do have to sit down with all of these raw materials. And sometimes we use extracts just because it's a little easier to identify things like heliotropin to me, it smells like Office Max, but... Uh, what's, yeah, what's, yeah, what's that? What was that? Well, I know, because... Um, that's we, like marzipan. I didn't even know what marzipan was. Yeah, so we gonna, gonna, know what marzipan is. I do now. Um, we do now. We it's got, a little bit different. I people mean, you send can call us it, in the mail. <laughs> you can call it floral. I call it um, office supplies, like the smell of August, like when you walk through the store and you can smell like, all the like, smell fresh paper. binders and yeah. like things that... Um, Journeyman whiskey is really heavy in it. That'll give you a good point of reference. And for those sipping at home um, to identify it, it's a somewhat weird floral, ylang-ylang kind of-esque. 
Binder. I mean, it just smells like a binder to me. It smells like a plastic binder at Office Max. Sounds delicious. Yeah, it's great. Um, no, but there's all kinds of like weird, funky right. little things that that set every brand apart in its own way. So you go through all of that to identify all of those. And um, you go through a blind setup where they literally hand you a bunch of random stuff and you have to identify like, no, but this is cool. And it's, it's actually surprisingly difficult to pinpoint things that narrowly once you get it in a glass where all of those things are there, but mm-hmm. you're trying to find the one that is most present there out of all of them. Because you smell things differently every day. You taste things differently every day. Um, I should be careful that I joke about this because it has been taken seriously before, but I just joke that it's the depends on the phase of the moon, right? Like any day is <laughs> no. <laughs> We won't go. We won't go into that. Or how much you had, or what you ate for breakfast, or whatever. Right? Exactly. I mean, that all impacts it. And so maybe one day, Old Forester smells like I don't know a vanilla bean, and the next day it smells like dill to you, and that's the number one proponent of that combo that's in that glass. But so it just takes practice, and it takes a lot of smelling and a lot of spitting. <laughs> I was about to say, what what tips could you give to somebody that's out there that says, well, I, I'm not going to be a master taster at, at Old Forester, but maybe I just want to... I want to be able to pick it out. Yeah, I want to be able to pick out the the gluacoa, whatever the hell you just said. Heliotropin. Yeah, sure. Um, like how, paper binders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plastic binders. <laughs> Plastic binders. School supplies. Um, Leah, Leah Frank. Isn't that what the, the good ones were? They Pink Lisa Frank? Link, Lisa Dude, Frank. Yeah. Lisa yeah. Frank. That's, Back in the day. Yeah, it was, like, was my jam. That's when you hit the honey barrel and you find those. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Frank series, Old Forester. Just wait for it. Rainbow labels, zebras, and all kinds of weird stuff on it. Um, no, but that that's an interesting point because I think that's one of the aspects that intimidates people about drinking bourbon so much is that they feel like everyone else around me is getting these notes and I'm not identifying them. That means I'm doing it wrong. And it doesn't at all. It's funny because people ask that. So like, how do you pick out certain different notes? Um, But when I go to taste barrels and when I go to select things, I don't go through that in my mind. I don't go, well, this one's a three out of 10 in cinnamon and this one's a six out of 10 in dill or whatever. I don't think of it that way. I immediately just go, this one is good and this one is bad. It's like, I don't know if it's because I've been doing it. And so like now it's just registers more quickly for me. Um, But it's not just about little identifying notes. It's about the structure of the whiskey. There's texture, so much a part of it. Um, The way it reacts to dilution, the perception of heat on it, everything about it. But okay, here's here's the biggest advice. Let's get back to answering your actual question instead of going on a yeah, rant. Yeah, I even forgot about it, but I'm glad. Oh yeah, there was a question there at some point. Because um, I was going to ask another one, but keep going. Hey, no, it's it's an easy solve. Pick a brand that you love. Make it Old Forester. Do me a favor. Just do that. Identify with it. Get to know it. Learn it. And then as you're introducing yourself to other stuff, always sip them side by side because that will help you to go, okay, this one is spicier. This one is sweeter. This one has more butterscotch. This one has less. Exactly. Establish that baseline. Old Forester, and I mean, I'm paid to say this, of course, but I would say it anyways. Old Forester is a great baseline because it's very just typical Kentucky bourbon flavor. It's not overly sweet. It's not overly spicy. It's just what Kentucky bourbon is supposed to taste like. And so if you establish that baseline and then try things compared to it, you'll find it so much easier to go back and forth and really pick out which one is stronger in one thing or the other. It's so easy. Now, you talked about dilution there for a second. So what sort of variables does that throw into this? Because I would imagine that you start throwing water into it what you thought you knew about Old Forester all of a sudden becomes like, well, these notes that I thought I was getting are completely different. 
Yeah, it'll definitely wake up different chemicals that are in there. Different aromatics will come to to the front of the glass, but it's for me the dilution factor of it is that the key indicator of a really solid whiskey, a really good good barrel of whiskey, isn't that it tastes like black pepper or isn't that it tastes like marzipan. Let's just keep making the marzipan joke. It's that no matter where you dilute it to, it always retains the same level of finish and the same structure. It doesn't just fall flat. It doesn't wake up and explode and go crazy. It's not volatile like that, but it has a really solid structure that just carries through. And so when we blend our products, we blend them to make sure that we're always establishing that. So even though, say, what we're about to start tasting, the 1870, yeah, it's great. And there's a lot of like shortbread sweetness to it, but it's still got your typical Forrester spice on the back end. Um, but you're going to add water, and that's all still going to remain there. It's a, it's a, it's a blending. Yeah, I got a question about. Yeah, I guess you talked about picking barrels. Yeah. and then blending them. So, whoops, I hit the microphone. But uh, <laughs> so say so you go into where else, and you got it's only, say, fifth, it's a, only his fifth time doing this. You know, you got a four, an eight, whatever, a different range of whisk or bourbons, and you're like, how do you determine? All right, this one is ready to pull now for a blend, or we need to let this one sit, like. Or does one you pull it like say you pull one that's four, um, and can that one improve in like three years that would not hit? I don't. Does you get what I'm saying? I'm kind yeah. Of no. I, no. But. I told, no. 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 I totally see what you're saying. And there's definitely barrels that I've tasted um, that like you taste enough single barrels and you just get to you just get to know them and you have a barrel and you taste it and you can honestly go. Six months it'll be done. Two years it'll be done. In three years it'll be done. Four years it'll be done. Like there's just it's. It's so hard to describe. Like, I don't know how to really articulate yeah, it. I think but experience it's, is one word to it's, kind of well, get Yeah, there. experience it's definitely like, helps You say with it's that. done, but it's like, how do you know to let it go, I guess, too? It's <laughs> the mouthfeel and the heat perception and the oxidation that's happened so far with the actual extraction of what's going on. And it's different depending on where they're from, how old they are. The season that they actually entered the warehouse affects things. Sometimes our warehousing is a little bit different, so it's not so much of a challenge. We don't have this wild goose chase going on. We've got heat cycling, and so it's mm-hmm. pretty consistent in there for the most part. We don't get that top-to-bottom fluctuation. Um, we do get outside-to-inside, but for the most part, it's a pretty controlled environment. Um, but I, I see tendencies in warehouse location, and it has absolutely nothing to do with, like, top floor barrels and bottom floor barrels or anything of that sort. It's got to do with the side of the building it was on. And you can actually slice a rick. So our ricks hold 31 barrels in a stretch. You can slice that into thirds, give or take. And those thirds, closest to the wall, middle, closest to the center aisle, and then it repeats again on the other side. You can actually notice a pretty significant difference in what happens once you add water to those different chunks 10 barrels at a time. Okay. So it's, but I mean, with single barrels, every single barrel is completely unique. The ones sitting right next to each other can be totally different. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the barrels against the wall are always sweet and the barrels inside are always spicy or vice versa. It's more so the barrels against the wall are always really volatile and finicky and the barrels right in the middle are really stable and the ones on the inside. It's, it's a, you just notice different stuff right. about it. What was your question again? I don't even <laughs> well, know if I answered no, I, it. <laughs> You kind of answered it. I mean, <laughs> we're getting closer. Yeah, we're, we're well, good. We're just going to throw <laughs> everything out there. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Uh, what was your name again? <laughs> but, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you had mentioned, because right now we, we're, we're recording this in, uh, I, do you like call it Jackie's Kitchen, Jackie's, Jackie's Experiment Play- Room, Playground well, Sandbox? We refer to it as the Atherton Room. Um, it's technically my office down here. So I don't work well in like a desk setting. I have a very creative mind. I'm a very visual person. We were just talking about that earlier about how... 
I need big sprawling space. I need to write. I need to get ideas out and I need it all right there in front of me. Um, and obviously it was always really hard being stationed. I still have my desk at Brown Foreman's corporate campus, but being stationed there every time that we had to work on drink strategy or do single barrel samplings or whatever, it's a big open format. And so someone was, it's like, the dinner bell, like you shake something and like 30 people like pop up out of nowhere. Like, do you need a taster? Do you need a taster? I'm like, no, don't taste it. It's terrible. Like this drink is so bad. Please don't taste it. Like (laughs) I'm going to go through 30 bad ones before I get to a good one. So please like, I'm sure there's no, no, I'm sure everybody's like, yeah, I don't care. It's no, I know it's it's two o'clock. I I need something to get me through my meetings for the rest of the day. It's definitely easier to do here and it's more neutral environment. Um, so it's just set up for the things I need to get done. Because we had talked about it in the past, the past episode we had with you about your history and, and cocktails and, mm-hmm. and being behind bars and story. How do you cut your teeth in the industry going through there? But how much time are you spending at the distillery? Because I still want to talk about the the, the master taster aspect mm-hmm. through here. Because are you tasting a lot of these whiskeys as they are being bottled, part of quality control? Or are you kind of just... Well, we have a really standard process that we do with all the mm-hmm. brown foreign products. Um, and everything gets tasted off the still, obviously, because it's not going to be good after it ages unless it's good before it ages. And that's just how it goes. Um, there's so many checkpoints. I mean, there's checkpoints. We won't even take a corn delivery if it smells even slightly like mm-hmm. gasoline. Like, it's, we're very, very strict about it. So you taste it off the still. Um, it can get tasted at six months and gets tasted again at three and a half years. So with Old Forester, the youngest we go, and the bottle is four because we don't age statement. Um but about three and a half years, you've reached a point in maturation where you can say, this is going to go here. This is going to go there. When you grow up, you're going to be 1897. <laughs> like you can, you can, you can assess really that at that out. point. You can really pick those out that you know exactly that three years. Oh, yeah, which, they're very. Which brand line it's going to go into. Oh, yeah. Three and a half years is where everybody figures out where they're going to college. Wow. In old so course, you're their like. Uh, even birthday. You're their picked guidance counselor. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. It rolls up and you're like, yep, here you go, son. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I hope you I like mean, the pre-prohibition line. And that, that's not just Old Forster. <laughs> you that's made it. Jack. That's, yeah, it's Woodford. It's everything. Everything we do gets tasted. And it's not like there's people sitting around like drinking in the office. You know right. what I mean? It's proof down to 40. And like, that's when your defects will start to show is you drop the proof and anything wrong with it is going to show. It's sort of a trick of the game of really, really high proof spirits. You can get away with a lot of things in a very high proof product. I was about to say that. Yeah. That was something I don't think I ever knew uh, to try to sit there and dilute it down oh, to yeah. about 40 proof. And then yeah. because when I think of anything, I mean, 80 is about as low as you can go to be considered bourbon mm-hmm. with inside the market. So even at 80, can you find something? Or I mean, do you really need to sit there and take it you to 40? You can find some stuff, and but what, it's and, best to take it down. And, and so what are some of those the inconsistencies or those flavors or anything that um, deems the bad quality? Red well, flags. We have we have company specific red flags. Not everybody has the same flags um, because there are certain things that someone, some other distillery, might call a, a flagship to the brand flavor profile, and they might call it Porcini Mushroom. We don't. We call it Must, and we say, uh-uh, "There's absolutely no tolerance for it." Uh, and with that one, so there's there's Must it comes in two varieties, right? There's Corn Must and there's Warehouse Must. The Corn Must smells kind of like a wet hay bale at a pumpkin patch. It's got this like very mm-hmm. like farmy, grassy. It just smells like corn must. Yeah. Um, but you're supposed to catch that on the front end. If you don't catch that with the corn delivery, you'll catch it in the distillate. It will definitely be there. Um, but then Warehouse Must is like wet basement, sort of that more minerality kind of musty note that a lot of people pass off as being earthy or mushroom or whatever. 
with our sensory panel, if there's 100 people that taste the same whiskey distillate or the same warehouse sample, and of those 100 people, one person is like, I think I may have possibly gotten a must note gone the whole batch. No, we don't tolerate it whatsoever. It's mm. absolute zero tolerance of must in any of our products whatsoever. It's like blackballing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just something that we don't necessarily think is a mark of quality. It's it's definitely not something that was part of the process of making the whiskey. It was just something that happened to mm-hmm. be in there. And the corn must one especially is really, really bad because you sh- there were so many steps that you should have caught that on on the front end. Um, is that but, like a like a Yoda moment when they go through and they they kind of say like, <laughs> all right, Jackie, we're putting out like twenty samples. Make sure you you smell through them or taste them, whatever it is. And you need yeah, to, you that's need how to be, the panel actually kind of works. Like they will purposely the spike some to make sure that you that pay attention. <laughs> and if you don't get that one, or they'll purposely put in a perfect reference too. And if you don't identify that as being a perfect score, all of your results are gone. It's all wow. like they 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 don't mess around with it. Um, but there's other notes, like diacetyl is one that you find with a lot of our stuff. Like early times is a much higher level of diacetyl than Old Forster. When I said diacetyl, I was about to say, think, I was like, yeah, let's on, go man. to, we, we let's go to this. About. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. And you don't even realize you do, but you know it so, so well in your meal. Smell it. If I just say movie theater, butter, popcorn out of a pump. Oh, like you mean the, the butter, the, the like. The really healthy yeah, stuff. That's literally I guess you're more. Well, that's chemical. why I like the bottle and bond early times. So that artificial butter. Artificial butter. <laughs> so it's in there. It's in there a little bit. If it goes above a certain threshold, then it's no longer on brand mm-hmm. and it's considered a defect. But a little bit is part of the story. So that's just weird little stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about the first glass. Okay, let's here. drink yeah, whiskey. Let's do it. Yeah, talking enough. Okay, yeah, so 1870 what, is the first one on our left-hand side here. Mm-hmm. Which you guys have had. And this one's been out for years and years and years. And, and also kind of, while we're sitting there drinking and talking about this one, talk about the Whiskey Row series and how that differs just from the, is it 86 and 94? Are those the two different? 86 and 100? What I like to call the modern day expressions. <laughs> I, should, I should know that because I always bring. Yeah, you bring a mint julep. It's either the 86 or 100 for. I usually, <laughs> I usually get a batch of each. I make for every year for Derby. I, I take, I get a 1.75 of each, the 86 and the 100. Nice. And it's like, depends on uh, how, how much you really want to taste the whiskey in your mint julep. <laughs> Is, or is, how much you want to like be drunk? <laughs> well, uh, responsibly, yeah, always responsibly, responsibly, yes. always responsibly. Yes. Um, Forget that. So anyway, uh, back to we, we, okay. we do this a lot. We get kind tangents. Of, I know. Oh, I know. It's, it's, a, it's my ADD. I don't know what you can blame it it's on. It's okay. We'll bring it on back. We're going to talk whiskey row. We're going to yeah. talk about yeah, how that's row. different from How's the modern day expressions of Old Forester, which actually have a really cool story that no one ever talks about. Okay. Give let's, us the story. Let's go. We'll just sip on this casually and, you know. This nose is awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, let's hear about the, the modern day story too. So, because everybody, everybody, I say everybody with my Louisville goggles on, you think of 86 proof old forcers just being like everyday old folk. You mm-hmm. think of 100 proof as being like everyday plus or whatever. Huge in the craft cocktail segment, bartender's darling. But no one ever thinks like, where'd they come from? Right? Because old forcer, when it started, started in 1870, which is what we're drinking right now. And this is at 90 proof. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how the brand started. It was a blend of three different distilleries. We didn't distill our own, not till 1901. Uh, we bought one of those distilleries, actually. But we started at 90 proof. George's whiskey tasted best at 90. That's what he did with. We switched to 100 proof. We went bottled and bond. And we stayed there until somewhere in the 50s where lighter bodied and blended whiskey started gaining a little bit of traction. So you're thinking post-war, right? 
you're having to blend distillate because a lot of distilleries switched over their production methods and everything was going to industrial grade alcohol to support the war effort. Mm -hmm. So you weren't putting back barrels as much. You still had barrels there aging, but everyone was having to cut it to spread their stock later on. And so you start seeing this change in the consumer palette of something a little bit less diesel fuel cowboy juice and something a little more blended and lighter bodied. We kept 100 proof old Forrester bottled in bond for the most part, but we introduced the second brand called 86. So that was born in the 50s in response to post-war palette change, which is awesome. Um, it's just interesting to think about it that way. We kept those two running until vodka happened and took the industry in a totally different right? So we were sitting on too many barrels. You couldn't blend them together because you couldn't do bottled and bond unless it was one distillation season. And so we pulled ourselves out of bond to introduce the 100 proof signature. And that was in the early nineties. Um, so it was weird. They were both born out of weird, different opposite directions of what mm -hmm. impacted the industry, but those are your every days and they are different. They are different. 1870. Shall <laughs> yes. we? Cheers. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. Yeah. Good little, good little history. Oh, now you there. guys know. Yeah. That's a good little good little uh, history good little lesson. Good little boomerang. I know, right? Yeah, get another one. So this is the 1870 that we're trying mm -hmm. right now. This is what's quoted the uh, original the batch. original batch. So it's just original batch because this is uh, 90 proof, kind of looking back into what yep. it was at that time. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. What's quoted the uh, original the batch. original batch. So it's just original batch because this is... Uh, 90 proof, kind of looking back into what yep. it was at that time. Telling the story, that was the whole purpose of the Whiskey Row line extensions, was to tell the brand story little by little leading up to this establishment opening on Whiskey Row. And so back then, we blended from Atherton, Melwood, and Mattingly. That's why the room's on this floor called Atherton. Atherton and Mattingly. Oh, we get it, we get it, we get Real it. Nice. Um, all come together. Yeah, yeah. So we blend from these three distilleries back then because that's how you make a consistent product. You blend right? And how you guarantee the quality, you bottle and you seal it. Um, the whole premise behind Old Forester. 
And so obviously we make all of our own juice today. We couldn't blend from three different distilleries. I guess we kind of could have. You, you know what I mean? Like really you could have made Olfo at Jack and Woodford and at BFD. Oh gosh. I like oh, it. that just sounds sounds like a new Man. line. It sounds like a new yep. line. Oh, Campbell. Wah, wah. <laughs> hey, Campbell, the I thought you got something on the Burn Pursuit podcast. <laughs> We're going to have a fifth one in the Whiskey Row now. Um, no, nonetheless, we blended from three different warehouses. So it's seven barrels from each of three warehouses different days of entry and different proof entries. And we're all slightly different just to sort of mimic the whole, this is how we tell the story, the fact that we blended. We are not ashamed and we don't hide the fact that we were a non-distilling producer back when we first started. George mm-hmm. wasn't a distiller. The Brown family wasn't yeah. a distilling family. And most big brands are, you, you know, back in the day. So Yeah, so— 1870. It's great. I like to think of it as sort of the Goldilocks of the family. <laughs> it doesn't disappoint those who are really into bourbon, but I think it's not very scary for those that are just getting into the category. It's like right there in the middle. It's a great whiskey. And they want something that maybe maybe they're trying to press their friends. They want to just maybe throw an extra 15, 20 bucks down on the line and be able right. to have a, a different bottle mm-hmm. yeah. in their repertoire as well. For sure. But good. It's good. So 1897, because 1897. the other thing to also represent about the the Whiskey Row series is that the dates all mean something. They do. They all mean they something. And that's and I think that's what uh, our listeners should also take into uh, consideration here is that when you go through here to, to understand exactly what these dates are representing, because they, they are pivotal points within inside of the, uh, the Brown Foreman and Old Forester distilling history. Definitely. So we started in 1870, hence the 1870, 1897, um, which if you don't know, now you know that's the complete passage of the Bottled and Bond Act. And so at that point, we pivoted from being a 90-proof product, even though George did not want to switch. But you can't be the one guy that doesn't bond your whiskey or no one's going to buy your whiskey because they're going to think you're trying to get away with something. So we switched to being Bottled and Bond, and Old Forester then switches to being 100-proof. They're forward. There's always been a 100-proof old Forester on the market since 1897. So what makes this bottle and bond versus uh, the other 100-proof just old foe? Totally. So the 100-proof signature, as I always think of it in my mind anyways, um, it's funny. You can always know people that drank old Forester before it was cool to drink old Forester (laughs) Mm because they call it signature. Just saying. Um, So the 100-proof signature is a blend of different years. That was the entire inception of that product in and of itself was to blend older whiskey together because we couldn't be bottled in bond. So this is true to form out of one distillation season. Even though we don't indicate season on the strip or on the bottle anywhere, um, we are pulling it from one distillation season. Obviously, it's just us making it. It's 100 proof <laughs> and it's four years old. It's meeting all the requirements. So. Let's hope so. We have to send somebody to do these checks and balances mm-hmm. for you. Do we? I don't know. I mean, I trust. it's not on the label. I mean, you got some label snobs. What, that it out came there. out of the fall or spring? You got, uh, you got label snobs us. out yeah, there. People. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them, but there's label snobs out they there. They have nothing to do. But <laughs> nitpick. But nitpick through it? Yeah. Just, okay. I will put my name on it. Trust me, the Old Forcer Bottled and Bond is actually out of one distillation season, even though it does not mark the season or the year on the bottle. You heard it here. So you heard it here. If you got a problem, take it up with Jackie. Call me. So what? So I guess uh, I actually like this more than the 1870. I don't know about you all, but maybe it's because I'm a I'm a proof snob when it comes down to it too. Are you? You proof snob. This one mm-hmm. is until we released the 1910. This one to me was the most unique out of the entire collection. 
It's a black pepper bomb. It's a huge spice bomb whiskey for Old Forester being what it is. I'm just curious, um, Jackie. I think I have up? mine backwards. <laughs> You're, so we're going left to right. Left to right. You're, so you were just on oh. 1920, 1910. You time traveled real quick there. You bring on back I was home. like, all right. Yeah. Went from black pepper to not black pepper. And you're talking about this being black pepper. I think I'm wrong. She's crazy. <laughs> well, right. at least you know your palate's up to Yeah, up to, no, yeah. see? See, I'm, I made the cut. You <laughs> did. She was trying to throw me off. I did it. You're official. <laughs> yeah, you, you pushed it out. You're like, this is the bad, this is the reject sample, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I see what you're doing. You were following the bottles. Yeah, I was following displayed. the bottles. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this one is definitely. I get the most pepper and the most spice out of this one. This is the one I always told people, if you're a rye drinker, this is the Old Forester for you, for sure. These are all the same mash bill. Keep that in mind. This is just manipulation of blends, um, and proofing and filtration techniques and age. That's where it all comes from. Um, but this was definitely the spiciest one. But I can only say that until February, and I'm not, I am not. I can't say that anymore. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll keep talking about it here. So I guess <laughs> Am I allowed a, a, to say that? another question. Yeah, well, I mean, in February, no. then we can just say if you're a rye drinker, you can drink Old Forester Rye. Hey. Oh. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. All right. So going. another question Sorry. about just the, the Whiskey Row series in general. It, what was the idea of saying, okay, we're going to make permanent line extensions? Because it seems the big money grab nowadays is people want to say, we're going to create limited releases on fucking everything. And they want to try to go for it. So, so why? Well, we are we are an ex, we are an explicit podcast, uh, even though we don't really cuss too much. But there, it, it really is seem like there is a, a an idea for a money grab out there. So why why go with something that's a permanent extension and not just something that's just going to be out for maybe a, a season or two? Right. Okay. So there's a little bit of a different situation that goes on with Team Ulfo. <laughs> we have a little bit of a different culture. We 100% believe in making the most quality and the most consistent product. It is something, it is literally the blood that runs in the veins of the Brown family, Old Forester is. It is the establishing brand of this entire company. It is quality, quality, quality first, not trend first, not how do we take advantage of what's going on. I mean, these were different ways to sort of flex and manipulate flavor profile to show some diversity. And that's definitely helping. So people that like sweet bourbon, people that like spicy bourbon, people like high proof bourbon, like there's, there's an old forcer for everybody, right? Why would we just one off that just to take advantage of the boom going on? I mean, birthday bourbon, we don't price it, suggest price it. I don't know what people do once they get it and reprice it, but nonetheless, to be over $100. And that's our most allocated item, hands down. That's just not what we are as a brand. We want it to be affordable. We want it to be approachable. It's just good whiskey shouldn't have to put you out, you know? Mm -hmm. And to just throw it out there and then take it away, no. I mean, this was really, this was our chance to, number one, tell a story. Yeah. That story doesn't go away, so it's going to remain there. And number two, like, be able to showcase what we can do flavored-wise. Yeah, and they're all pretty priced right. I mean, you know, yeah, you, they're not, approachable. you not break the bank and you can try yeah. a bunch of different styles of bourbon, you know, totally. from the same place. And it's kind of interesting to kind of take that in a little bit different direction too because, you know, you talk to some people and they might be either misinformed or they just don't understand the market enough, but they'll say, is there a bourbon shortage? Is there not enough bourbon to go around? And I always have to say like, oh, have you been to a liquor store recently and looked like there's there's bourbon everywhere? <laughs> and so, I mean, what's your all's response to that? Because it seems like, okay, yeah, we can take stocks that are coming from just the Old Forester brand line and be able to create new lines out of these too. So it doesn't seem like you all have anything that's in regards of a, a, a bourbon shortage at all. 
No. I mean, we've been in the business a long time. We've seen it ebb and flow all across the board. Brown Foreman does an amazing job of being able to forecast and anticipate market demand hands down. This isn't just like willy-nilly, like this is hot right now, so just turn the still on and let's just go and hope that it's still hot in four, six, eight years. Um, well, you better no, hope we, with this new this new experience in downtown, you better hope that it keeps ah, going. Ah, we're fine. No worries. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of planning. We plan very, 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 very far out. Um, That's what Campbell gets paid to do, right? Yeah, Campbell gets paid to plan really, (laughs) really far out. So, yeah, like things that we'll release in 2020, things that we'll release after then, these are things that we started conversations about five years ago. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we just, we're not running out anytime soon. I can't speak for everybody. That's good to know. So let's go to the the next one in the series here. What do we have? The most exciting (laughs) one, too. This is the new one, okay? So this is 1910. This one is just being released right now. So in 1910, it was kind of a significant year for Old Forester. Here in the space that we're in right now on Whiskey Row, um, they had a batch. So in 1910, Old Forester was 100 proof, bottled and bond. And they were about to bottle. And there was a fire on the street. Who knew that things catch on fire on the street? Weird, right? Yeah. It's very strange. Um so they couldn't use the bottling line. They had to get out. So they've got this big old vat of whiskey that they couldn't bottle. When they were able to actually get back in, they couldn't go into full production with it. They had to get rid of it somehow. They put it back in barrels and set it aside. Now, they sold it, but they didn't sell it as Old Forester. They sold it as a product called Very Old Fine Whiskey. And so, hence, you'll see Old Fine Whiskey on the bottle of 1910. And what this is is 100-proof Old Forester that would have been bottled and bond, ready to go, sitting in a tank. And we've put it back into a barrel, but it's not a normal Forster barrel. Um, it's a heavily charred to the point of disintegration barrel. Um, if you were to if you were to say like— to, <laughs> Don't give me levels. Levels don't exist. For us, levels don't exist. We go right. by seconds. Levels don't exist. But seconds. for the rest of the bourbon world, levels do exist. So if you were to say level four— But there's no industry standard level. Okay. You can't go—you know right. what I mean? Uh, I mean, yeah. So if you're doing a standard— If I think correctly, level four is like six seconds or eight seconds, something like that? Um, You could classify an Old Forester barrel as being alligator number four if you really just wanted to put a generic title on it. <laughs> and it's a 22-second. It. It's a 22-second char. Uh, okay. It's not a number four. It's not an alligator <laughs> or anything. It's a 22-second char. Um, but we were able to take it up uh, 55. Crocodile. It's a crocodile char. Sure. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, go ahead. 55 or so um, in the 50s, then you start losing integrity of what it's actually supposed to be doing, which is holding liquid. Um, mm. But you can take it up that far char-wise. So almost three times as long on the charring process as a normal forcer barrel. This is totally different from double oaked. Double oaked uses a super heavy toasted, super sweetened up barrel for their secondary finishing. Also talk about double oaked is Woodford Reserve. Correct? Yes, sorry. Okay. Double oak, Woodford double oaked is totally different from this product. Theirs is so butterscotch heavy and so mm-hmm. sweet. This one, I think you get a lot of the sweetness that's coming from that second wood. It's got like dusty funkness to it or something. It's got, yeah. it's honestly, it has almost that aspect. You know, if you drink like old, old whiskey mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's got that funk. It's got that antique mall dresser drawer. I love like, it. Mothballs. Are you looking for that? Not mothballs. <laughs> no, not mothballs. But it's got Binders. this like Binders. inherent, <laughs> it's got this inherent sort of like charry backbone to it. And it's super chocolatey. I love it. I mm-hmm. think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's Nutella. Really it's awesome. Well, and uh, this Sorry. is really refreshing Chocolate for me because like a lot of, I guess, newer releases are, Barrel proof, which is great. High proof, awesome. But 
Um, this is a, was it 93 it's proof? It's 93. And it packs a ton of flavor for a 93 proof. And that, that reminds, like, a lot of the older whiskey, I appreciate them because they have so much flavor added at a lower proof where you don't require that, you know, barrel proof, I guess, to, to get all those. Right. And you don't have to. I think every single barrel, every single blend out there has a sweet spot. And for this one, obviously, if we were starting with 100 proof whiskey and we put it back in a barrel, we finish it for six to nine months, it's not going to all of a sudden become 130. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it just, science doesn't work that way. Um, so... How many times or how many different barrels were you trying to test and say, like, okay, 22 seconds, eight seconds, four seconds, just toast it? Like, were there were there different levels of things that you were playing around with to, to find there this? There were different ranges that were performed. There were a lot of barrels that just, you know, got burned up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It happens. Like, what are you going to do? Um, but it was still on fire when you're putting the whiskey in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, you you still smoke. You take it and you do a barrel at 30 seconds, and a barrel at 40 seconds, a barrel at 50 seconds, a barrel at 60 seconds, and then you test them. And the ones that leak fail, and the ones that don't, there you go. And you kind of narrow down your little niche. But um, no, I don't think every single barrel is destined to be barrel strength. I don't think every single bottling is destined to have any. There's there's a sweet spot that's what we do for birthday. Mm-hmm. Literally taste it from 86 all the way up to the barrel strength that it comes out at every single proof point and whittle it down to the sweet spot and go from there. Yeah, I mean, and this was, honestly, I love it. Which is weird because <laughs> we're getting ready to taste the 1920 next, which, yeah, is, which is, like, is usually my favorite. Well, it's it's the fan favorite. No. When you think about it, I it's mean. the Fred Minnick effect, probably. Well, it's not that. I mean, it's the, <laughs> The Facebook, it's like the Oprah effect. The yeah. Facebook forms it and everything the like that. Guy. I mean, yeah. it, it, the Facebook forms and everybody, they, they kind of go, it, it could be, they, they go a little crazy for it. You get a few good reviews out there and uh, you kind of get in this this train and everybody's like, yeah, this is actually really good, especially for something that's not highly allocated, mm-hmm. always on the shelves. So I talk about it enough. Let's let's drink it a little bit. So I've already had it because yeah. I went in the wrong yeah, direction. Yeah, it was <laughs> I mean, there was a there was a really interesting thing that happened with 1920. So the story, we'll go with the story first. In 1920, Prohibition goes nationwide. Old Forester was operating under Kentucky Permit Number 3, selling medicinal whiskey the entire time. So literally since 1870, there has not been a single day where you couldn't go and buy a bottle of Old Forester. You may have had to fake a cough, but whatever. Like, you've always been able to buy Old Forester straight through. Same family, same company. So, yeah, it's an incredible part of our story um, for the category, but— this was the first time that Old Forester was offered at this high of proof. And this was the first one because 1910 wasn't out. Keep that in mind. So people had already had Old Forester at 90 if they had single barrel or 86 proof close enough. You already had Old Forester at 100 proof. So it's like, yeah, okay, we've already had bottled bond. We see bottled bond everywhere, whatever. This, it was like, oh, wait, prohibition. I identify with that. Oh, wait, it's higher proof. I like high proof. I like Old Forester. And it just exploded. It did so well. Mm-hmm. It still does. Yeah, it's but very good. <laughs> I've got this feeling 1910 is going to be. The new darling. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's got a vote in my book. Do you keep a pulse on, on say, like Facebook forms and the bourbon community like that? Mm. Just kind of see what what people are digging, like what the community response is? I hear things from other people, but I try not to get super wrapped up in it because it is so, so subjective. I just, it's, it's all over the place. I pay attention when I'm out in the market, and every market is a little bit different. I pay attention when we do trade shows and things like that, the Whiskey Fest of the world, the new products that are out there and what what people are saying about it. But for the most part, 
everyone, drinking whiskey is such a personal thing mm-hmm. that you just can't trust any, even if it's groups, like it's just, there's just too much noise out there. And everyone is so swayed by the marketing that one company invested millions of dollars in. And it's not just about product. And it's just, I just never really find it reliable enough to spend time paying attention to. So we don't matter. No, no, I'm, no I'm not saying that at all. Not whatsoever. I'm just saying as far as where I need to lead from is a point of the product that I'm involved with, which is Old Forcer and only Old Forcer. Are we doing the best we can to make sure that it's quality and that it's a value and that we're we're literally making it the best that we possibly can all the time and doing what's true to us, not so much about what's in the periphery mm-hmm. of the rest of the market. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. I mean, what do you think about it? Like what Facebook brings is a is a different dynamic because all right, it's bad because it gives everybody a voice, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of noise. However, <laughs> however, it's also a congregation of yeah. thirty thousand people in one sitting. And so when somebody says, "Oh, I'm pouring Old Forester nineteen twenty tonight or nineteen ten, and you see a slew of comments, and some people are like, "This is great, best bourbon for the money," and then some people are like. Not my cup of tea, or even yeah. worse words than that, right? So, yeah, it's I'm, I kind of find it amusing that people, maybe you don't, but I'm sure somebody probably just keep, tries to keep a pulse on on what's happening in that that yeah, sort of community. We, we have digital media specialists on all of our brands at Brown Foreman that that do keep an eye out for all of those sorts of things. Me personally, like I'm saying, like if I read some thread, even if it's a very trust, even if you guys were saying this is crap, we, this product is terrible, blah, blah, blah. We wouldn't say Is that me going to go back to the office and maybe like, you guys really need to do something about that. Everybody hates it. Like, no, we believe in every single thing we put out there coming from us as a brand culture. And if you like it, great. If you don't, that's cool too. But you know, we're making what we think is a really great product. So well, I don't know. I really like the old fan. Old so fine. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, I'm, I'm going back and forth between the 1920 and the 1910 because you know, the 1920, it, it really was. It was something that, because this was a uh, it was a 2017 release uh, when mm-hmm. 1920 came out. Um, now, the 1910, it's been noted that this is, quote unquote, the last of the Whiskey Rose it series. Is, it is, except for, you know, that secondary 1870 that we just said <laughs> we're going to make from three distilleries. That's a joke. That's not really happening. I, um, I, I think it should. It should. No, this is, we're done with the series. We have... Um, we have other exciting things in the pipeline, like rye, obviously. That'll be our next big thing. But it's it's done its job. It's done its due diligence. It sold the story and um, led up to the opening of the distillery and Whiskey Row. So yeah. I was about to say, I was like, you, you could come out with the Old Forester 2014 to kind of talk about this yeah. building and stuff. But but then people oh. would see it and they'd be like, wait a minute, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a four-year-old whiskey or something <laughs> like that. If they're like, eh, it's a little too young. And they're like, no, 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 it's just the date that's I know. symbolic. You know, I know, I know, I know. Like some people think that the 1870 is whiskey from 1870 and that's absolutely not <laughs> the case. Um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I mean, the brand has such a rich history yeah. that we could go on forever just cherry picking different events different out dates. and doing There's a day different for things to celebrate. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I just find it refreshing because, like, limited releases, it just, they drive me crazy. Because I'm not going to camp. It's become as a zoo almost. And, like, yeah. I love this because you can just go and find them and get them and buy them and not have all the drama, but, you know, and pay an enormous amount of money. Or Well, yeah. Know. I don't want you to fall in love with something <laughs> and then have it ripped out of your hands. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll cycle through. I don't know. Maybe we'll add on a new one, but we'll drop one and we'll only sell it in the gift shop because now we have a home place. We can kind of do those things, mm-hmm. right, where you have to come see us to get the special stuff. But well, um, There is one thing in the gift shop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Go on. <laughs> so tell us about Pray tell. the president's choice and the role you've had in that, because mm. we've talked to Campbell about that, but he says you're an integral part of that. So let's talk integral. about that. Integral. Um, so President's Choice, we stopped selling in 1972, and uh, we finally brought it back because we finally have a president, the old forcer <laughs> again, right? So we have Campbell. Um, but I took samplings from a bunch of different spots in the warehouse. We tried to keep the line, the new modern President's Choice, still within the same parameters that the old school President's Choice was, which was an eight-year-old product. The barrel strength that they used back then, or what was noted as being barrel strength back then, was between 110 and 120. That's not the barrel strength these barrels are dumping at today by any means because we're entering at 125 now. Um, but we are proofing it down to be within that historical parameter. So it's an eight-year-old product minus the first two barrels. Those were uh, those were random flukes that were decided upon in a moment of serendipitous discovery of, oh my gosh, we should totally sell this barrel. Fred was there for the first one. He'll never let you forget. He was there <laughs> to know, pick the me. first Every time he walks president's in here. choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there was a lot of people there. We were doing a KDA barrel selection with a bunch of master distillers from all over the place. There's a great room of pallets to all go, wow, yeah, you got to sell this, right? So you don't ignore that. Um, but I whittled it down. I gave Campbell some selections. I proofed them to 110 and 120 for each barrel and sent him home. He was like, I'm going on vacation, so can you get these done before then? And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's all like him a big, giant case of like 50 different barrels at two different proofs, and all were at least 110, right? Dream job. <laughs> we said, he was like, so I don't know, because like I went home and I started, you know, I like I got my space. I was in my basement and I was like, I'm going to start cracking these open. He's like, I got through like three and I was wasted. Like, I'm like, no, you have to spit, Campbell. <laughs> you can't just drink all this whiskey. But with that, what I really wanted to get a sense of was what is Campbell's palate? Is Campbell big, beefy, peppery whiskey? Is Campbell like really soft, buttery, like caramel whiskey? Um, so that I can fine tune it for him from there instead of going on a wild goose chase every single time. Right. Um, so we got it narrowed down. I think the final lot that I gave him was 12 different barrels. And of those, he picked six. And then we had the two that were surprises. Um and surprises. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. The, like you're surprised he two, picked that no, one? No, no, no. The first <laughs> two barrels that we picked weren't out of that initial lot that I had pre-selected I for gotcha. him to choose from. They were just random. We were in a moment and all gotcha. in the warehouse together. Um, but the third expression of President's Choice that came out was from that original design to be released um, set. Barrel, the fourth release, I must say, is my favorite. Wink, mm. wink, nudge, oh. nudge. Mm-hmm. Um We've already released the third, so just, you know, keep your eyes on the Old Forester social media pages to maybe get an idea of when you can maybe camp outside the distillery and get the favorite barrel. It I'm tastes go like— around here. Dude, it's it's <laughs> like you took, like, really rich chocolate cake, yeah. like, covered in, like, really rich fudgy icing and dipped it in Lipton raspberry iced tea out of a soda gun and ate it. That's what it tastes like, and wow. it's so good. <laughs> And that's why we'll never be messed with <laughs> I know. So what is your, so what is your like uh, oh, ideal bourbon profile, I guess, without being too Good. Generic, like, um, I know, but I, know, I guess. I know, I know, I know. I don't, I tend to go. Don't name any names. I'm not no, naming yeah, names. Name no, 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 no. Yeah. Just go flavor profile. I don't like it too dry. I don't like it too tannic. I don't like it too high in proof. Um, I don't know if that's just 
me or if that's just my like Pavlov's dog response. And when I'm drinking high proof whiskey, I'm like, I'm at work, I'm at work, I'm at work. You know what I mean? Like, um, but no, no, no. You go, this is work. This is supposed to be work. This is supposed to be fun. <laughs> I know. But like, if you go home, like if I go home tonight, like what am I sipping on? Mm-hmm. Um, well, usually nothing. Cause I drink so much for work anyways. That like, I, I can't, you, you human separate. being. Can, like, I gotta go to the gym. Right. Gotta, Everyone's I've like, oh, let's drop the world. You drink all the time. And it's like, no, but then I don't get to drink the way you get to drink <laughs> because like, you know, your liver can only handle so much. Um, but nonetheless, I tend to go a little bit on the sweeter side, but I do appreciate a pretty robust spice finish. Um, I don't like them too, too herbaceous, but I just, I like them balanced. I mean, I love every single one of these, but which one am I the most excited about drinking? I mean, I'm really excited about the 1910. Nah, I figured, it's like I chocolate syrup. It's so good. So um, I, I do have another question though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Ryan had hinted at, at you know, 1910 being a little little dusty like and stuff like that. We, we've got a little bit of love affair with it, but what's the oldest Brown Foreman product that you've actually tried? She's thinking about it. I'm thinking about this one. Because um, you had talked about President's Choice. The oldest as far as that. like oldest in the barrel or oldest no, no, as no, in no, most as antiquated. Like, like antiquated, old. like an old bottle that came around and somebody said like, Jackie, I, I found this in my grandma's basement. You got to yeah, try this stuff. Because I've had some. All right, all right, 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 right. Just, yeah. Hey, gosh. the guys at Jack Jack Rose in D.C. gave me a bottle of 1984 Old Forester yes. for my birthday. Yeah. Because I was born in 84. That was very that sweet was of them. Sweet, and I Bill. haven't opened it. <laughs> Um, I've had fifties. I, okay. This is where you're going to be like, what? Like you would think that I would be like, yeah, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. Okay. Where my mind goes with this is that, and this isn't just a little forcer. This is every single distilled spirit on the market. The industry we are in today is completely different than it was even in the eighties and way earlier than that. I tread lightly on drinking really, really old spirits because distillation techniques were not as precise necessarily as they are today. That's all I'm going to say about that. Not say it's going to like kill you. It's not that Uh at all. No, 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 it's not that. But it was just different back then. And yeah, it can be like fun to, to, to taste it and experience it now and what it tastes like now, what you're tasting now is never what it yeah. did taste it's like then because it's, the oxidation has happened. Exactly. So really what is there to gain? And there are a lot of brands, ours luckily is not one of them, that, and I mean, all everything is published like on what's actually in the bottle. And I just, I always tread kind of light on a lot of the really, really, really old stuff because you're drinking alcohol that somebody made before they really did a whole lot of research on how to make it in a safe way to be consumed. Does that make sense? No, not at all. Because None I, of that makes sense? Because really? I love dusty stuff. I, but I know why? Too. Why do yeah. you love dusty stuff? Well, I think I think it, I mean, we we go through this. We go back and forth and you look at 80s uh, Old Granddad, Wild Turkey, and even Brown Foreman Distillate. It tastes, everything tastes different. We don't know if it's oxidation. We don't know what yeah. it could have been. It could have been it distillation like methods. Bottle, like it could have been different, right? Yeah. And so that's what, I was just curious. Like, what's the oldest What's yeah. the oldest brown foreman product? I think it's tasting? gone back to the the fifties ish for an Olfo. Um, other than that, no. But you know, like I think it's interesting and fascinating, and it's great. And and, and also, I, I have to justify it too because I think as as people that are that drink a lot of bourbon, like Ryan and I, mm-hmm. you, you you also <laughs> and, Real and proud. This, this is well, I mean, <laughs> no. proud. It's a it's a problem sometimes too. But at the same exact time, it's like you always want to 
invigorate your palate with something new. Like yeah. It's, yeah. it's cool to come back and do the same thing over and over again. But at some point you're like, all right, I want to try something new. And then when you start going on the dusty train, you're like, okay, well, this is new. This is fun. This yeah. is butterscotch. This is unique. Yeah. So totally, totally understand that. I totally get that. But I think, I don't know. Because this is my job, I view it totally differently. Not to say it's not your job, because obviously, like, it's part and parcel with what you guys are doing. But I just view drinking whiskey differently. So you're not a Dusty fan. (laughs) It's not that I'm not a fan. I think at some point, everyone needs to experience it so that you can identify that note that we're talking about. The same note that Mm -hmm. we talked about with the 1910 of that, like, sort of, like, old, dusty bottle note. It's that super, like, you know it had more acidity and more vigor at one point, but it's kind of like subtly yeah, flattened out a little yeah. bit, softened out a little bit. So I think that's great to experience as far as just building your whole Rolodex in your mind of tasting notes. Um, but as far as like, am I going out and buying bottles on the internet and sipping in front of a fire at home? No, absolutely not. <laughs> because like, this is that's this is work. Like, <laughs> I actually drink a lot of tequila when I'm not working, so oh, it's shush, fine. Shush, shush, shush. Oh, we no. Don't, we don't talk about you that. You don't say the T word on yeah. this podcast? That's <laughs> fine. Well, at least it's not the V word, right? We don't yeah. need the vodka no. talked about. So, I mean, yeah, no, we won't go there. But I, I guess a I good experiment. Know. Ryan, let's go out. We'll buy a bottle of 1910. We'll sit on it for 30 years and kind of see what happens. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and store it sideways. You know? <laughs> do it, but you're going to have to get two. You're going to have to do one, open it, close it right away. Right? Uh-huh, yep. And then you're going to have to have one completely unopened. And in 30 years, you just get back to me and let me know what you think. I will. Sounds good. Like it tastes even dustier now. I know. It's (laughs) dustier than dust. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you're still making cocktails by then. But, you know, Jackie, I want to say thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, Leading us through this tasting. You know, if people want to know, at least follow you, do you have some social profiles that can do that? You can follow me on Instagram for sure at Jackie underscore Zykan, Z-Y-K-A-N, and see what goes on in the world of Jackie's whiskey. Yeah, I guess. As she's, I want to see you as she's traveling, see you scribbling on this slab of quartz. Oh yeah, I have a picture. I'll send you a picture. Yeah, cool. do that. Scrabble through there. Make sure you go and you. Uh, if you're in the Louisville airport, uh, wave hi to Jackie as you're <laughs> as you're wave walking hi. by. You got to take a picture with it. It's like yep. rubbing a Buddha belly. It's good luck for travel. That's you right. got to tag it. You got to do the whole thing. So, you, if, so if you've never been to Louisville Airport, you you can see it. It'll be on. Uh, doesn't really matter, right or left hand side, but you'll see her pouring it from a um, you you know the it's uh, just a shaker. Is that what? It was a uh, mixing glass. I believe it was an old fashioned in that picture, but it is a bottle of Old Forester. They just had to take the branding out of it. <laughs> there but, you go. Yeah, it's old package. So you can make sure that's that's uh, take a picture with her. Tag her on Instagram because now you know that you heard it on Bourbon Pursuit. So. Jackie, awesome. I want to say thank you again thank for joining you guys us today. Very it's a pleasure. That was awesome. Yeah. If you also follow her, follow Bourbon Pursuit. Also follow Fred Minnick on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't follow Fred. <laughs> he's not that interesting. Oh, I, no, I'm kidding. He's, <laughs> he's the best. He's working on his Instagram. He's yeah. working on his Instagram game. But, you know, also, if you do like the show, support us, patreon.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. And always, please, write reviews. We love reviews. Yes. We love a, I can't even talk. Uh, love reviews, love that was when, suggestions, that was when goes feedback, in comments. Yep, I know. Yeah. You can see what time. my favorite was. <laughs> uh, yeah, we love hearing from you guys. So keep, you know, keep all that stuff coming because we do this for you all. And uh, we'll see you next time.